0: Bless you, Robbie. Wow. Bless you, brother. Wonderful. Well, thank you for that tremendous uh, welcome, uh, Pastor Robbie and Donna. It's just fantastic to be here with you all. It really is. I have to say, you've got two very groovy pastors, haven't you? My goodness, if I could dance like that, I I think I'd be going somewhere. That's fantastic, really. Impressive. (laughs) Unfortunately, I can only do the charismatic, you know, two-step, so I'm still trying to catch up there. But Hey guys, look, just to say very quickly, I don't want to uh, advertise my stuff very often because very much because I want to uh, share the Word with you. Um, but on your way out somewhere over there, you'll find that there's a, a few books left over um, that are brought down from yesterday and uh, a few other goodies. This is a little USB that will really help you in your identity, knowing who you are in Christ, knowing who you are in the heart of the Father, knowing where you stand, knowing who you are in Christ Jesus, your worth in the Son and also your significance in the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, Jesus takes us as we are. He doesn't leave us where we are, but He then takes us forward. And He, is, he takes us from that moment, and then he, he takes us on a journey of making us more and more like Him until that final day when we'll see Him face to face and be fully like Him. Aren't you glad that He takes us as we are? Aren't you glad He doesn't leave us as we are? <laughs> Amen. Okay, so look, that'll be a really faith-building thing for you. Um, that's there available, I think, mostly in USBs. And so you can have one of those. And uh, please do. They then You've got these little CDs here. They're also available in USBs. There's all the healing scriptures of the Bible. I got healed from malaria listening to the Word a number of years ago. And uh, God will heal you through the power of His Word. So please do avail yourself of those. There is a price to them. If you really, genuinely can't afford it, then please do have one. We like to sow into people's lives, but only if you genuinely can't afford it. By paying for it, you enable us to to get more out to other people. And uh, you know, but if you really are struggling and you don't have cash, please have one and be blessed. I'd rather put the word into you, um, but don't come and say I, I can't afford it. But you can also afford a packet of fags, you know. If you can afford <laughs> if you can afford a packet of cigarettes, you know well. Just come to me. I'll pray for your deliverance, and then you can have one. Here we are. All right. There we go. All right. So, look. There we go. If you want to know more about the ministry, about what we uh, get up to, you'll find a little leaflet there saying who's missing, and there's a little, sound like a puzzle, the idea is you. And you can get involved in, in prayer and in giving and in going. Together with our mission teams around the world. And then, last of all, also, this is uh, Lifelink, which is the mercy side of our ministry, helping uh, girls who got trapped up, uh, you know, entrapped and snared uh, in the sex trade uh, through our Freedom Project, just helping them to escape from that. Uh, Also, helping nursery education for some African kids, crisis relief. Um, all of those kind of things, helping orphan and widow, orphans and widows. So, if you want to be involved also in helping us to help others like that, that would be great. Bless you. Well, guys, it's a huge privilege to be with you today. And I wonder if you could turn with me to Exodus chapter 4, verse 1 to 5. Exodus chapter 4, verse 1 to 5. I understand the scriptures will probably come up behind me. And so, uh, you know, if you don't have a Bible with you, you can look there. If you got it on a phone, you can flick there. If you have a hard copy like me, you can turn there. <laughs> but either way, let's get into the Word today. I'm just going to pray. Father, we thank you for your presence. We thank you, Lord, that you are here amongst us. And I pray, Lord, today that through your Word you would build faith in every one of us that you would strengthen us in our walk with you. And Father, that you would find amongst us as a people today a heart that says, here am I, send me. A heart that says, Lord, I am fully available. Take me, use me, mold me, make me. Make me the person you created me to be and make me flexible and full of your spirit and available to you. I surrender. Take me and use me for your purposes. Lord, we bless you for each person here today in Jesus' name. I pray also So don't let one person leave this place without the joy of forgiveness and the certainty of eternal life. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. I want to speak to you today on this subject, what is in your hand? What is in your hand? Now if you turn to this passage in Exodus 4, you'll understand the title of the message. It's a question that God gave to a rather How shall I put it? A rather unbelieving, a a rather kind of shaken Moses who had uh, at one time in his life, he knew the destiny of God upon his life, but he tried to fulfill it all by himself uh, to deliver the people of God, you know, from Egypt. And he started, he delivered one guy from one man and then had to run for his life. And here he is, he ends up, you know, as a a refugee, effectively, um, out in the wilderness for 40 years. Where actually, during that 40 years, his own personal pride got broken down. And he's finally in a place, actually, where he doesn't feel he can do much. History records, if you know much ancient history, um, that actually Moses was a very powerful general. He was, the Bible records that he was very uh, efficient and strong and powerful in all the wisdom of Egypt, which was the most powerful empire at the time in the world. And so he was very. Um, Just a very powerful and influential man, one of the strongest generals and uh, a real leader. But by the time he meets with God at the burning bush, he's much more of a broken man and he has much less confidence in himself. But in the midst of that, he meets with the one who is the only true deliverer the one who empowers us to do the things that only God can do, but God comes upon us by His Spirit to enable us to do the things He's called us to do. And I want to say today, I believe that we are on the verge of a massive move of God here in the United Kingdom, in Wales, in England, in all those places. Let me say, especially Wales. I I was told yesterday that God lives in Wales, actually, and that He visits England. (laughs) But, (laughs) but, uh, But either way, however you want to view it, you know. My Bible says he reigns from heaven. He's enthroned over all, isn't he? But he obviously has a special place for Wales in his heart. So... But let me just say that I believe that God is going to do something very powerful in this nation. And actually you have a part to play. You have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. And you may even just be a, a fairly new believer. But let me tell you, you are in the kingdom for a time such as this. And the Bible tells us that the church of Jesus Christ, His body, church as you know is not a building, it's people who know and love Jesus. The church is built by what every joint supplies. And that means everyone here has a part to play. No one is a spectator. Everybody was created by God to function in His church and to reach out to the world and bring glory to Him. And so actually, God takes hold of us. He accepts us, receives us, cleans us up, sets us free, and then teaches us, builds us up, empowers us, and releases us to function. And so I I want to encourage you today that God has given you gifts, some that you may not even be aware of right now, but He's placed them in you by the Holy Spirit for the purpose for which He's called you. And what He wants you to do is to start moving, start serving, start getting involved, start going in the purpose of God. Many years ago, you know, we used to, before before the day of power steering, uh, you know, we all had these kind of cars where if you were actually on the standstill, you were trying to turn that wheel around. I mean, it was as good as a gym workout. And you know, I always used to say to people, it's a lot easier to redirect a car that is moving than one that is standing still. And in those days, that was so true. Today, of course, we've got power steering, or we can just go like this while we're just in, in one place. But it wasn't so in those days. But nonetheless, the principle remains true. If you will start moving with God, if you'll just say yes to Him, and make every day a masterpiece for God, say, Lord, give me divine appointments today, That's how I started. I've gone around the world, I've had the privilege of leading about quarter of a million people to the Lord so far. But in that process, I started off just, you know, I, had, I wasn't invited to preach anywhere or anything like that, but my pulpit was going to school every day. My my pulpit was, was on the streets. My pulpit was just there. That's how you begin. You just start reaching people where you are, going to my pastor and say, how can I serve? How can I help in the church? Reaching out for prophetic words of encouragement, reaching out for words of knowledge, offering to pray healing for people and... And share the gospel with people around me. If you begin that way, as you're faithful with that, God starts to give you more and more and more. And that's the principle we see in Scripture. So let's just have a look at this. What is in your hand? God asked this to a rather insecure and unbelieving Moses when he was calling him to do a great work in his name. So we read this in Exodus 4. Then Moses answered and said, But suppose they will not believe me. He's in the middle of this encounter with God. You think about this. God is right in front of him in manifestation of this fire that's not going out and the voice of God coming to him. But despite that, I mean, all of us would like that, wouldn't we? (laughs) Wouldn't you like to have the presence and power of God immediately manifest in front of you and God speaking to you audibly? I think that would give most of us a sense of assurance that actually that he would do what he was asking us to do, that he would empower us. But the Moses, despite that, is still questioning God. And He answered and said, but suppose they will not believe me or listen to my voice. Suppose, they say, the Lord has not appeared to you. So the Lord said to him, what is that in your hand? He said, a rod. And he said, cast it on the ground. So he cast it on the ground and it became a serpent. And Moses, understandably, fled from it. Then the Lord said to Moses, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. If you know anything about picking up snakes, that's not a good idea. (laughs) And he reached out his hand and caught it, and it became a rod in his hand, that they may believe that the Lord God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. I just want to say this to us today. God wants to do supernatural miracles through ordinary believers in our day to bring deliverance to the people of this nation. He wants to do supernatural things. Always remember this. God does supernatural things through small acts of obedience. All you've got to do is obey. I will never forget the time. To me, this was such an, a, a, a simple example of this. Where I was preaching a fairly large church up in Wolverhampton. And actually that morning I was preaching away and I was preaching on the prophetic. And while I'm preaching on the prophetic, um, suddenly the Holy Spirit kept drawing my attention to a lady sitting in the front row. And as I'm preaching away, you know what it's like, if you're a preacher, you understand what I mean. You keep getting drawn to this individual, where where they are, where they're sitting. And, and, And I keep being drawn to this lady. And the Holy Spirit says to me on the inside, tell her that I love her. Well, I ignored it. I ignored it because I thought it's so simple. I thought everybody knows that. I said, Lord, it's in the book. John 3.16. God so loved the world. I mean, why do I need to tell her? You know, and, and then the Lord said to me again, Tell her that I love her. Well, I ignored it. I carried on preaching. I, and and then as I go by again, I, I look down at her and it comes up again. Tell her that I love her. So anyway, the Lord was getting on to me, so I thought I better obey. So I stepped down, and there were steps going down. So I stepped down in the middle of my preacher I said, sorry, ladies and gents. i There's one thing I've got to do right now. I stepped down. I walk up to this lady, and I said, I just want you to know, love, Jesus loves you. Well, she broke down in tears, and I got some of the sisters to go and pray for her, and I went back to preaching. Anyway, at the end of the service, she comes up to me. And she says, John, I just wanted to come and say thank you before you leave today. I said, oh, no problem, no problem. She said, um... She said, "But I just before you go, I do have to ask you the question: How did you know?" I said, "Well, you know, I, you know, it's um, it's in the book, you know." I <laughs> said, John, "John three sixteen, all that, I said God's love the world, I, you know." And so she said to me, no, 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 not that. She said, how did you know that when I was four years old that my parents divorced and so I grew up with this love hunger on the inside? So the moment I was a teen and all of that, I was in the arms of the first man who said he loved me and up to no good. And she said, and then how did you know? She said, I just went through breakdown after breakdown of multiple broken relationships. How did you know that? And then to, you know, and you can imagine by this time, I just, gonna, uh, well, um, uh, and then she carries on She says, how did you know I became an alcoholic then and I've only just come out of the drying out? Center, and you know, I've just been so bound in my life, and I felt totally hopeless and suicidal, and all of that until you came and spoke to me this morning. How did you know all that detail? I, I said, You know, um, really, madam, I, I, you know, I said, I honestly, I didn't say that, I didn't say any of that. And she looked at me, she like, Are you calling me a liar? I said, no, no, madam, no, I'm not calling you a liar. And, and, and then she said, look, um, she said, I, I just wanted to say, look, whatever and whatever happened, I heard every word of that out of your mouth, and it's absolutely changed my life. Thank you. I said, well, look, Lord bless you. You enjoy your day. She goes on her way, and I go away thinking to myself, well, what on this earth happened there? I thought, Lord, either either somewhere between my mouth and her ears, God filled in the details, or... You know, the pain inside was so strong for her, and this can happen, that when you're obedient to the Spirit, you see, the Spirit of God gets released. And when He gets released, He touches things in people's lives, and it can come up so loud on the inside of them, the pain was having its own voice, as it were, that it's as if she heard it. I don't know which way it was, but the one thing I want you to get hold of is this, is that Jesus does amazing works of grace and power in people's lives through small acts of obedience. To so just be willing to step out. We give many other illustrations, but I want to encourage you that God always empowers those whom He sends. Moses was a fugitive; he was a shepherd in a wilderness when he met with the living God, the God of his fathers, who empowered him and sent him with a mission to bring deliverance to his people. Turn with me to First Corinthians chapter one, verse twenty-six to twenty-eight. The Apostle Paul is is writing to this great church in Corinth. It was a port city, and it was a city that was full of uh, immorality and the occult and so many things. And the Corinthians, really, their lives have been dramatically changed by an encounter with Jesus through the gospel. And you see here that uh, in 1 Corinthians 1 verse 26, he says this to them, For you see your calling, brothers, that not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty and the base things of the world, the things which are despised, God has chosen and the things which are not to bring to nothing the things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence. But of him you are in Christ Jesus, who became for us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. So as it is written, he who glories, let him gl- glory in the Lord. In other words, we really have nothing to boast about except Jesus Christ. It's the Lord who's done it all, and let's give him all the glory. But he says, look, he deliberately chooses the weak. He deliberately chooses those who who feel that they are incapable and can't do anything. Sometimes people have to be broken before they really realize that they can't do it, and then God takes hold of them, heals them up, and then releases his power and grace and strength through their lives. But God takes the weak, so if you feel that you're disqualified, you're in a good place today, in the sense of this that you realise only God qualifies you for his kingdom. It's his grace. The scripture says that that he qualified you as Colossians one. He chose you. He knew you even before the foundation of the world. Anything you've done has not surprised him. He knew all of that in advance. And he will take your greatest weaknesses, your greatest pain, your greatest failures, and turn it around to make it your greatest ministry into the lives of the broken and the hurt. Thank God. That's the nature of our God. These are the kind of people that God chooses You see that he fed 5,000 with a little boy's lunch. I'm never quite sure in that story whether the boy offered the lunch or the disciples nabbed it. But either way, either way, Jesus blessed it and distributed it and gave it back. The interesting thing is, is that when he blessed it, he then hands it back to the disciples. And it's only when they begin to distribute it, it starts to multiply. It didn't actually multiply in the hands of Jesus himself. It multiplied in the hands of the disciples. Check it out and read the story. It's absolutely so. And that's very often the way it is. We give ourselves to the Lord. We give what we've got to the Lord. He gives it back to us and tells us to go and do something with it. When we step out, then it multiplies. Sometimes we're waiting to feel it, to have everything to change suddenly in front of us before we will act on what he tells us to do. But it it actually works the other way around. If you believe, then you'll see the glory of God. And believing is an action. It's a stepping of faith. And then what you prayed for, what you've given to God, he's blessed and given back to you, then begins to multiply. Because he's looking for people who will step out in faith and obey God. Amazing. He fed 5,000 men. That's excluding the women and the children. So it's probably more like 10, 12,000 or so who he fed with a little boy's lunch. Do you know, I once heard a very unbelieving theologian say that wasn't such a great miracle. He said the loaves were just bigger in those days. <laughs> you know, I think he forgot that, you know, a little boy brought it in his, in, you know, in his little box or something. I kind of get this picture of a little boy rolling this huge loaf, you know, along, carrying a whale behind him or something. But the fact is, is that Jesus multiplied it. But God wants to use your words. Say this after me, my words. God wants to use your words. God wants to use your touch. Say my touch. God wants to use your prayers. Say my prayers. And God wants to use your giving. Say, am I giving? Okay, let's look at these for a moment together. First of all, God wants to use your words. You know, I could share so many testimonies the world over with all of this of the Word of God. I've stood on platforms sometimes in some large gospel campaigns and just released the word that God was giving me to say, a command of faith in the name of Jesus, and just seen multitudes get healed with that one word. But it's so important that we understand that that's not just because somehow it, it's, it's my gifting or some evangelist gifting or something. It's the power of the eternal word of God. Everything about God is eternal. Everything about God is almighty. And so when his word is released, you know, that word, it goes out and anyone who gets themselves in line with that word, it will reproduce after its kind in their lives. So one word from God can just heal multitudes of people at the same time. It'll bring deliverance. It'll be freedom. And words are very powerful. Words create destiny. They give direction. They bring leadership into our lives. You know, I um, years ago, uh, some of you may be familiar with a, a gentleman called Ray McCauley. He's a wonderful uh, man of God, back from South Africa and uh, leads the, the Raymer church over there. And you know our church, when I was growing up back in Surrey in in, uh, in England, um, our church was privileged to be the first church he ever came to in the UK. Uh, only because we knew some of the guys from that church who were the first missionary sent from Raymer to the UK. And I can remember when... when Ray turned up, then after him, the next person to turn up was, was his sister and brother-in-law. And at the time, I was only 15 years old, and I had a passion for the gospel. I was just starting to lead people to the Lord at school. And actually, I remember that day that actually that Ray's sister came in, and, uh, and she came in, and really, it was Ray's brother-in-law who was doing the preach that morning. But at the end of his preach... Ray's sister just suddenly stood up, and she looks around, and then suddenly she points at me, and she says this. She said, young man, I want to say this to you. She said that actually you're going to go, she said, to the ends of the earth. The Lord's going to send you out. It wasn't a particularly big church at the time. She said he's going to send you to the end of the earth. You're going to see the dead raised. You're going to see blind, see deaf, hear, cripples. Walk. You're going to see masses turn to Jesus and churches planted. He's called you. He's, t- he's calling you, and he's sending you out. And then she turns to everybody, she said, you know, it's an unusual thing, but when I was in prayer this morning, the Lord gave me this word for a man and said, there will be a man in the congregation wearing a yellow tie, and this is the word you are to give to him. Now, my mum it was the summer, and my mum had bought me a yellow tie. I don't know, it's just, it's not particularly cool. It was just the in thing at the time, and, and I probably never wore it again. But nonetheless, I wore it to please my mum that day. And it was obviously in God. It's the only time I wore it, but I put it on that Sunday morning, And, you know, I was a very, you know, a young man at the time, but that word was for me. And here I am now, 51 years old, and actually every one of those words has come to pass. But the word that she gave to me at that moment, it set a course. It released something in my life. And i want to say to you, God wants to, He wants to use your words to release life and destiny, and blessing. Look, if you want a good marriage, use your words to build up and not to tear down. If you want a good family, your family life, speak life, speak blessing to your children. If you want to have good relationships with others, speak encouragement into their lives. Make it the first thing. The Bible says that we are to speak the truth in love to one another. Make sure that you don't down yourself with your words. Make sure you use your words to construct, as it were, to build your future by agreeing with heaven. God looks for a place of agreement upon the earth. Speak life and and health over your own body, over your mind. Speak with confidence about your job, about finances, about everything else. If you do that, you will see that those words become a seed that God waters and brings to pass in your life. Amen. It's a fundamental principle of God. God wants to use your words. God wants to use your touch. There is real power in the believer's touch. You know, the Bible says that, uh, uh, you know, First Corinthians chapter 6 is a remarkable scripture. It's an intensely physical image where actually the Apostle Paul is dealing with a negative amongst the Corinthians. And he says to them, how can you take the members of Christ, talking about the members of their body, and join them to a prostitute? He says, because the scripture says that the two become one flesh. So he's talking about saying, are you not aware, do you not know that the members of your bodies are members of Christ? Now sometimes our bodies get a bit of bad press in teaching. But the reality is that our bodies are redeemed. They belong to the Lord. And that we need to recognize that once we're in Christ, the members of our bodies are members of Christ. And so Jesus is right here. When you lay hands on someone, Jesus lays hands on someone. When you talk to somebody, Jesus is talking through you to that person. When you look at somebody, Jesus can be looking through you. He wants to use your touch. He wants you to lay hands on people in the name of Jesus. It's very simple, but it's very powerful. Sometimes, you know, I, I had a pastor who got healed of cancer, where I was just teaching on healing one time and expressing, look, you, some of this stuff, we make it far too complicated. I was standing preaching to his church, and I just rest my hand uh, on the pastor's shoulder. I had no idea he had cancer, but I rest my hand on his shoulder. And I said, you know, all Jesus said to do was, if you are a believer, lay hands on the sick in his name, and they will recover. I said, look, I'm not even declaring anything over that my pastor friend here, but my My hand is on him and Christ is in me and he's laying his hand on him. So I'm doing this in the name of Jesus and healing is flowing because healing is in me because Jesus is in me. Yeah, he wrote to me a month later and said, John, what you didn't know, he said that I had serious cancer, stage three or something, cancer, and he said, actually, he said, I went back to be tested just a couple of weeks after you just rest your hand on me there. I wasn't telling anybody. I don't want people to get all uptight about my condition. He said, but actually, I've been back to the docs. They've given me the all clear. They can't find cancer anywhere." And it launched him into a ministry of healing. He was traveling all over the world. But there is power in your touch. You're a believer. The moment you're saved and filled with the Spirit, he He's in you, and he wants you to start laying hands on people. Now, I would encourage you to make sure that you ask for permission. It generally helps, you know, especially if you're reaching out to the world. But the Lord wants to use your touch. He wants to use your prayers. John chapter 14, verse 12 to 14. Jesus said, whatever you ask in my name, I will do it that the Father be glorified in the Son. You're asking in His name. You're not asking in your own name. Imagine this for a moment. Imagine if I was a multimillionaire. Now I'm not, but just imagine that I was. And it would be good if you could pray that I was. That would be wonderful. That would be but. Anyway, no, just think about this. But imagine if I was a multimillionaire and I had a checkbook and I signed every one of those checks in my name. And then I handed it to you and I said, look, now whatever you need, whatever you want, just go. It's already signed up. It's there. It's in my name. And actually, I've willed to you this, that, and the other. Don't just use it willy-nilly. But look, here's a whole list of things that you can spend it on. And I gave it to you and, and then said, it's in my name. That's exactly what Jesus has done for us. The Word, His promises, are the revealed will of God. And He signed it in His name. He said, whatever you ask in my name, and it shall be yours. You're living by somebody else's resources. One of the things we all have to get hold of as believers is this. None of us lives in the kingdom of God by anything that is our own. Everything is the Lord's. Everything is the Lord's. The very breath that is in your lungs is the Lord's. The righteousness that you stand in before God is not your own. It's the Lord's. It's His righteousness you stand in. You can't stand in your own righteousness. Look, let me just illustrate this for a moment. You know, I'm an evangelist. I spend a lot of my time sharing the gospel with people. And you meet all different extremes one time, I was back in my hometown of Sutton in in Surrey, and it's the London Borough of Sutton is right on the border of Surrey, and and Sutton is a town of extremes. On one side of it, in Sutton and Cheam, you have more millionaires than almost anywhere else in the UK. It's a really wealthy area. At the other side, at the bottom of Sutton, you have the poorest housing estate in the whole of London. So it's a place of total extremes. And so when you're ministering on the streets, you meet both kinds of people. So we were down there. We had a band out. We we're preaching the gospel and, and leading people to the Lord. And, and anyway, I, I was just finishing off leading a guy to Jesus who was a drug addict. And, you know, bless his heart. He was in a real state. And, uh, you know, he's wearing very dirty denims. And, you know, bless him. Uh, there's, it's hard to describe everything, but, you know, there's all kinds of snot and stuff all, all down my shirt. that He's giving his life to Jesus and he's sobbing and it's going all over me and and he's weeping in my arms and, and he's giving his life to the Lord. And, and it's wonderful, you just sense Jesus cleansing him and releasing him and, and he's just, you know, a smile starts to come on his face, he's experienced the grace of God. And, and I'm just holding him like this, but looking over his shoulder, I see a, a man standing there, a very wealthy looking businessman. I'm going to call him Mr. Armani. And Mr. Armani, he's wearing this three-piece suit and he's looking at me. Me and he is absolutely livid. I can see he's just looking at me and he's got such a stern look on his face and it's, it's like there's an increasing kind of flush of red coming up here in his neck. He's, he looks really angry at me and I, so I just take note of him. And then the moment I let this guy go and he goes away rejoicing in his salvation, we connect him up with the local church to help him forward with his discipleship. The moment he leaves, suddenly this guy steps up to me. And he reaches out his hand, Mr. Armani, and he says, Jonathan. Like I said, uh, yes, sir. I said, uh, can I help you? He said, I've been listening to you preach. I said, good. I hope it was a blessing. <laughs> and he looks at me. He said, um, he said uh, I want you to know something. I said, uh, okay. He said, um, I am a very good man. I said, well, bless you. I thought, this is a strange way to start a conversation. I said, um, well, good for you, sir. And then he, he looked at me and he said, uh, I want you to know, he said, um, I'm a very good man. I have a great job, a wonderful wife, great children. He said, uh, he said I've lived a very decent life. He said, I always pay my taxes. He said, uh, and he said, I don't need God. I don't need your Jesus. And I certainly need no forgiveness. I thought, Whoa. So I said, well, sir, can I shake your hand for a moment? I said, it's very rare I meet a perfect man. In fact, I said, I, I, I said, in fact, the the only other one I ever met was Jesus Christ. So I said, it's really nice to meet another one. <laughs> just looked it in the eye for a minute. And, uh, and then I said, look, just before you go, I said, I, and obviously you don't feel I've got anything worth uh, you know, giving to you. I said, because uh, obviously you know, you're a very successful man and... And you, you feel that you're perfect and have never sinned and anything wrong. He said, that's absolutely right. I said, okay, well, uh, I said, so just before you go, let me just leave you with a few thoughts to ponder as you go on your way. I said, you know, it's a big surprise to some people that the law of God wasn't given to actually make us better. But the law of God was actually given to us to show us our sin. It's like a mirror that reveals our, our sinfulness and our need of Christ. So let me just show you this for a moment. So what I'm going to do right now is I'm just going to present you just a few of the laws of God for a moment. I said, let's just forget number one, because nobody fulfills that every day. You should love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. And I said, nobody does that perfectly every day, so everybody needs forgiveness every day. So I said, but look, let's move past that one for a moment. So I said, just here's a few. The law of God says that you shall not murder. And he looked at me straight and said, I want you to know I've never murdered anybody. I said, I'm so pleased to hear it, sir. I said, but actually the Bible says, you know, it goes a bit deeper. Jesus said, the law says you shall not murder. But I say to you that if you hate someone that you've murdered them already. So I said, so so let me just ask you, have you ever hated anybody? Maybe that business partner who diddled you out of some money, maybe in that revenue who demanded more tax than was due or something like that. Have you maybe has somebody just, you know, gone past you and cut you up around a roundabout or something and something slipped out your mouth or something? Has that ever happened to you? So just maybe just once? He just looked at me for said, well. Well yes. Okay. All right. I said okay. Well look, I don't, want to, I don't want to burden you or anything. Let's let's just move on to another one. I said the law of God says you shall not commit adultery. I said have you. I said I want you to know I've always been faithful to my wife. I said I'm so pleased to hear that. So that's great. I said but you see Jesus actually goes a bit deeper and he says if you look at a woman with lust in your heart, um then you've committed adultery already. So I said can I ever ask you? So can, have you ever ever looked at a woman with lust in your heart? Ever? Maybe just maybe. Hey, look, let me, is that, well, well, um, well, haven't we all? He went. Like I said, yes. Well, quite, well, quite. Yes. So, okay, I said. So, let's just move on. Just one last one. I said. You know, the scripture says that the Lord will not hold guiltless the man who takes his name in vain. Have you ever said, "Oh my"? Yeah, so, okay, so let's just have a quick rerun then for a moment. A quick rewind. So we began the conversation with you telling me that you were a perfect man, you didn't need God, you didn't need Jesus, and you certainly didn't need any forgiveness. And we've ended the conversation with you freely admitting to me that you're a murderous, adulterous, blasphemer. I said, so don't you think, actually, that you do need forgiveness now? He looked at me for a moment and said, and um, where were those tracks you were giving out? <laughs> I said, but the thing about it, guys, is this, is that Look, we don't stand in our own righteousness. We stand in Christ's righteousness. He calls us to repent of our sin and to put our faith in him as the only means of salvation. So listen today. If you come to God, you say, yes, I want to be forgiven. I want to be sure I'm going to heaven. I need to know God. Look, you will not be living on your own righteousness. You'll be living on his. You'll be living on his goodness, his righteousness, his provision, his favor, his love. It all flows from a relationship with him. Amen. Amen. Guys, thank thank God. The Lord wants to answer he will answer your prayers it's in his name. And of course the Lord wants to use your giving. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, let me read these verses to you. Says this verse 10, to twelve, Now may he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food supply and multiply the seed you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness while you are enriched in everything for all liberality, which that means generosity, which causes thanksgiving through us to God. For the administration of this service, not only supplies the needs of the saints, but also abounds through many thanksgivings to God. God wants to use your gifts to build up His church, to meet the needs of many. Amen. He really does. And I can tell you what: if you trust, if you be, if you choose to be a giver that you live your life with a generous heart, you will find this, that God will see to it, that he will bless you in return over and over and over again. I I, I stand here as testimony. I have seen the Lord do that. We have lived this way for 32 years. You know, I, I say to some young people, listen, I've seen more miracles than you've had hot dinners. I, I'm, not, I'm not kidding. It's absolutely the truth. If we didn't have miracles... Every month, we wouldn't be able to pay our bills. And I, I'm, I don't just mean, you know, being given offerings as I travel around churches. We live on miracles every single month. And every single month, God has provided our needs miraculously. Every month. I can tell you one time I, I went to to Canada. The Lord sent me to Canada, and actually, I, I just—it was so clear the Lord was sending me, and He gave me this vision. He gave me this word to go, but I didn't really know anybody and all that kind of thing. It was such a supernatural trip, the whole thing. So I, I actually, the cost of going, then finding somewhere to live for three weeks, uh, hiring a car, getting all, all the food, getting the flights, get my family over there, so we were there for three weeks, uh, cost £3,000. Well, you know, to do that, uh, you know, doesn't sound that much, but it was a whole lot more than than I had. It might as well have been 30000 So it was 3000 and but I so felt it was God, I put it on what we call my aid to faith, my credit card. So I put it on my credit card. I don't encourage you to do this, by the way, but this is the way I was so, I so knew it was God. That's what I did. And so I put it on my credit card. Two days later, a businesswoman in our church walked up to me. I told nobody. But this businesswoman walks up to me. She says, John, um, do you have any particular needs, anything you'll believe in God for? I said, well, you know, I'm just, uh, uh, you know, we're going off to Canada and, you know, the Lord's called us to go over there. And she said, look, I I don't know what it is. And I didn't tell her. She said, but this is what the Lord told me to give you. And she just handed me a check for 3,000 pounds. So that covered everything. We went there. We ministered actually solidly for for nearly the the totality of that three weeks as God miraculously opened doors. I mean, can you imagine this? I didn't know anybody. And then suddenly out of the blue, So well, I knew one guy, one guy who was a a, a connection there. And he... um, he suddenly phones me up a couple of days in, and he just says, John, I just want to say to you, he said this is all very unusual. We've got a couple of North American Indian ladies he said, in our church. They're intercessors. He said, all day, every day. That's what they do from 9 to 5. They intercede. And he said, and I can tell you, they phoned me up today. He said, um, we don't know this man, but there's a man called Jonathan. He comes from England. He's come here by the word of the Lord. And the Spirit of God says, Pastor, you are to take him to the meeting of pastors that's happening in Vancouver at such and such a place. It was like that. So anyway, so I, I know you don't normally bump into the city pastors meeting and just uninvited, but this is what happened. And so he took me there, and, and I, I walked in. As I walked in this huge big building, huge church, as I walked into the entrance, the atrium, the pastor of pastors who set up the whole event, he's walking across my path. He stopped. We, we never knew each other, never met each other. He knew nothing, and neither did I. He stopped. He turns and looks at me. And today, he says, and I heard myself say, hi, you must be Jonathan Connath, let me introduce you to the pastors of Vancouver. And he walked me in, and it just opened up Vancouver to me. Suddenly, we were leading people to the Lord, miracles happening and all of that. Well, we ministered for for that whole period of time, for three weeks. And then at the end of that three weeks, we were going to get back to flying. And actually, this guy was my one contact. He had collected all the money from the offerings. But there was another guy from England who had come and joined me in that process from another ministry. And so in that just as this guy is taking me back this pastor guy I know he's just taking his a family back to the um, to the airport he just says to me oh John by the way I hope you don't mind I gave all the money of the offerings to your friend he said the other guy from the from the ministry in England he said um, uh, I hope that's okay I said you guys could share it I said well that's really kind thank you so much I said um, just one question does he know that we're supposed to share it he said ah oh, I forgot sorry he doesn't know that so he said, so at the moment, he thinks all that money is his. He said, yeah, he does. Ah, right. So I said, do you mind me asking how much it, it, it was? And then he told me. And, and of course, the thing is, the Canadian dollar is, is 2.1 to every pound. So the reality is, it doesn't go as far as it does going the other way. So when he told me how much it was, I thought, well, I know this isn't going to meet our needs at home. Because although we had the 3,000 to meet our needs out in Canada, we had bills of 2,500 pounds back at home that would just come through. For the house and all of that. So we we're believing God for that money while we were away as well. So anyway, he only told me how much it was. I said, You know what? I don't mean this in any bad way, but that's not going to meet our needs. So actually, I said, Between you and me, the best thing we can do right now is I'm going to sow that seed. So let him keep it and let him think it's all his. And you just agree with me that God will meet my need in another way. Is that all right? He said, Are you sure? I said, Absolutely. Let's do it. So anyway, I got on the plane. We go back, and uh, my wife, Elaine, she said to me, Well, Did they give you any offering to meet the needs at home? I said, sweetheart, he's met all our needs. (laughs) So anyway, we we got home. When we got home, I, I opened the front door, and on the mat, there was an envelope with my pastor's writing on it. And I thought, well, what's that? So I picked it up. I opened it up. Inside was a check for two and a half thousand pounds. Now, I phoned him up. I say, Dave, what's all this about? So then he says, well, you, you ought to ask. He said, while you were in Canada, I was in the States, in Florida, at Rodney Howard Brown's conference. And he said, there's thousands of people there. He said, and in the break, he said, during in the middle of the worship, Rodney said, he said go and greet somebody. And he said, suddenly this huge big Texan guy walks from the other side of the room. He says, walks up to me and says to me, he said, uh, sir, he said, uh, do you know a man by the name of Jonathan Conrath, C-O-N-R-A-T-H-E? He said, I do, but what's it to you? He said, well, he, he, says, uh, he said, listen, he said, uh, he said I, I don't really know the man. He said, but in the worship, he said, God suddenly spoke to me. He said, I want you to write a check out. He said, for the equivalent in English sterling of two and a half thousand pounds for the name of a man called Jonathan Conrad, C-O-N-R-A-T-H-E. And he said, but Lord, I don't know the man. And he said, uh, and the Lord said to him, I know you don't. He said, but that man over there knows him. And so Dave said, so there's the gift from a Texan businessman who I've never, who I don't know who he is and that you don't know. And, but listen, this is the thing. What I want you to, to say to you is this. God knows your name. He knows where you live. He knows your name. And if you will be faithful to serve the Lord and you will give and you will pray and you'll reach out with his touch and you'll sow seeds of faith with your giving, with your words, you'll put your life in his hands. He will see to it that your needs are met and that his kingdom comes through your life. Look, time is just flying off and I'm well past where I should have ended. But I do want to say this in closing. Look, God doesn't anoint programs or organizations. He anoints people. The Spirit of the Lord comes upon people. Just last month, a great evangelist by the name of Morris Sorello went to be with the Lord. He led multi-millions to Jesus through his life. He was an orphan Jewish boy with no hope ahead of him. But a Baptist nurse told him about Jesus when he was a little orphan in Jerusalem and invited him to church. He got saved. And as a result of that, then he got filled with the Holy Spirit. And then he felt God call him into the ministry. He started preaching. It's led to the salvation of millions. How many times could that story be repeated over and over and over again? C.H. Spurgeon, the great Baptist You know, preacher who led multitudes to Jesus. By the age of 19, his sermons were going all around the world every week. Established the largest church in London at the time with 5,000 people gathered. You know, back in the 1800s, every single week gathered to hear him preach. Mightily anointed man of God. How did he get saved? He was there, there was a Methodist circuit. And he went along as a little boy one day and there was only two, three old ladies sitting in this church and the Methodist Circuit preacher was preaching. A little nine-year-old Spurgeon was sitting outside with the door just cracked open and he was listening as the preacher went on. And the preacher thought, well, there's just three old ladies here. I'll do a quick sermon and then I'm going to go. But he said, the Lord said to this Methodist preacher, preach the gospel strong and clear and give an appeal. He said, Lord, but these ladies, they're all saved. I said, why should I give an appeal to them? And the Lord said, preach the gospel strong and give an appeal. He said, all right. He preached his heart out to these three old saved Methodist ladies and gave the appeal. Little nine-year-old Spurgeon was standing outside the door with tears pouring down his cheeks, giving his life to the Lord went on to win hundreds of thousands, if not millions, to the Lord, not only in faith, but through his writings. As Jesus is calling you to himself, Moses surrendered to the call of God. Isaiah surrendered to the call of God when he has this great encounter with the Lord. But when he sees him, he becomes aware of his own uncleanness. He becomes aware of his people's uncleanness. and says, woe is me. For I'm a man of unclean lips. I dwell amongst a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the Lord of hosts. He felt that he would be judged, and that was it for him. But then God sent an angel who came with a hot coal from the altar and touched his lips and said to him, behold, Isaiah, this has touched your lips, and your sin is atoned for. It's cleansed. And then he hears the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And he says, here am I, send me. Guys, I just want to say to you today, Moses, Isaiah, Morris Sorello, Jonathan Conrath, and you, we've all got one thing in common. It's an encounter with Jesus that's the only thing that can change our lives. It sets us on the course of the great plan that God has for us. And maybe today you feel like you're not on that plan. Maybe you say, well, John, actually, I know I've, I've missed it. I've not really surrendered my life to the Lord. And maybe there was a time when I had, but I've gone away from Jesus. And I'm not passionately following him as I once did. And the Lord is calling you home to himself today. The Bible simply says if you believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead and you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. That's God's promise. Today you're here by divine appointment and he's calling you to himself. Maybe for a first time, maybe as a recommitment to the Lord. There's several things I want to do in closing today, but the first one is this, and it's the most important. I want to give you the opportunity to take this moment and give your life to Christ or recommit your life to him. Can we all bow our heads and close our eyes for a few moments in the presence of God? Please just don't look around at this moment. Forget about your friends, your neighbors, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, husband, wife, whoever it is around you. Just take a few moments to think about your life, where you are. Where is your life headed right now? Where are you going? Where will you spend eternity? And if you say in your heart, John, I know I need to get right with God. Just pray this prayer with me right where you are and everybody else pray this prayer to support those who need you for a first time. Let's say it out loud together. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you love me, that you died for my sins and rose from the dead. I believe in you and I give you my life. Come into my heart. I turn from my sin to follow you. I receive you as my Savior. And I boldly confess, Jesus is Lord, and I'm going to love you and serve you as long as I live. Thank you for hearing my prayer, for forgiving my sins, and changing my life. In Jesus' name. Look, Jesus said, if you confess me before people, I'll confess you before my Father in heaven. But if you don't confess me before people, neither will I confess you before the Father. So what I'm going to do right now is I, I need to give you an opportunity to do that right now so that the, so that Jesus will confess you before the Father. If you prayed that prayer for a first time or as a recommitment of your life to Jesus Christ, I'm going to count down to three. When I want to get to the number three. Raise your hand high and say, yes, that's me. I'm giving my life to the Lord today. Right where you are. Here we go. One, two, three. Just raise your hand right now if that's you. God bless you, God bless you, God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Anybody else you say, John, that's me, I know I need to do this. I need to get right with God. If you've been uh, away from a time from from the Lord, he's calling you home, the Father is calling you home to himself. Anybody else wants to join those who've already raised their hand, God bless you, love. God bless you, sir at the back there. I see your hand. God bless you, that's great. I'm going to ask you to do something very bold. Can we all stand to our feet, please? I'm going to ask you that if you raised your hand, can you come quickly? Just get out from your seat and come and join me at the front here. Just come quickly. Don't be afraid of what anyone else is doing. Just come. Come in Jesus' name. Come on. Just come. Come to the Lord. Just raise, raise your hand. Just come forward. Bless you. We welcome you. Well done. Well done, guys. Bless you. Well done. Is there anybody else who needs to come? Anybody else who needs to come? Just come. Got any question in your heart? Just come. Just settle it right now. Okay. Look, guys, I'm going to pray over you right now. But for some of you, if it's a first time, I'm saying welcome to the family. But for those of you that's a recommitment of your life to the Lord, you need to know this. That he absolutely loves you. And today, this is a great day. This is a day of renewal. It's a day where the Father just welcomes you home. He's setting a party in there. There's a party in heaven over you. The Bible says there's more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 already righteous. Well, with over 330,000 every day getting saved, heaven's a perpetual party, man. <laughs> but this is the best family that's ever existed. The family of God. Welcome. Guys, let me just pray for you. We just put a hand on your chest like this for a moment? Father, I thank you for every, every one of these guys and ladies who've come forward to surrender their life to you. Father, some of them, you know their hearts, you know where they're at. But Father, I thank you for them. And I pray that at this moment, Lord, that you would send your spirit into their hearts, giving that assurance, that confirmation that they belong to you, that their sins are forgiven, that heaven is their eternal home, that God is their Father, and Jesus, you are their Lord and Savior. Father, I pray today a breaking off of every every chain of sin, every demonic stronghold. A break it off in the name of Jesus. Fill them with your Holy Spirit even now. And I pray that each one of them will go on from this place to love you, to serve you, to walk with you. I thank you you'll never let go of them. And you have great plans for each and every one of their lives. We give you praise and thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Guys, you just meet with the Lord there. Take a few moments. Don't rush back to your seat, but take a few moments. Okay, just meet with the Lord. I just need to do two other things very quickly. We talked about God's calling quite a bit today. Saying, here am I, send me. I want you to know that this is something we have to do not only once, but repeatedly through life. The flesh always wants to go its own way. And Jesus said, if anyone would be my disciple, anyone would be my disciple. Let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. So today, I'm just going to say, you may have said this years ago. It's something you have to say every day. But I'm standing here before you saying that I'm making this choice again today. Is there anyone else who will raise their hand and say, Lord, I surrender my life afresh to serve you to serve your church, to serve your purpose in the world, to bring your kingdom. John Wimber, the great founder of the vineyard, used to say, everyone needs three conversions to Christ, to his church, and to his cause. Today, we're saying yes to Jesus, yes to his cause, yes to his church. Lord, here am I. Send me. You just make your own commitment to the Lord about that right where you are. I want to pray for you. Father, thank you. We all stand here before you. Lord, those of us raising our hands and saying, Jesus, we are fully yours. Not only, Lord, just that we're fully yours, that we can make it to heaven, but that we can see heaven come to earth. That we see your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. To serve your people. To love your church as you do. To love one another. To think well of one another. To serve our leaders to serve one another father god and to reach out to the world bringing the good news of jesus the love of god to the broken and the hurting and the poor and the needy to bring the gospel to the end of the earth and the healing and delivering power of god to those in bondage father we thank you we say yes here am i send me wherever whenever and whatever the cost we're yours lord Maybe you say today, John, I need healing in my body. I want to serve the Lord wholeheartedly, but I've had trouble in my mind. I've had trouble in my body. I've been fighting off depression. I've been fighting off this sickness or whatever it is. If that's you, can you put one hand on your body, raise another one to heaven, and we're going to pray for your healing right now. Let's pray for this. One preacher I heard say Jesus has called the whole body of Christ to go as a mighty army to go into the world to bring his healing and saving power, but he doesn't want us to go on crutches. He doesn't want us to go on—he wants us to go out in the power of God. So look, if that's you— Look, just raise your hand before the Lord. Put one hand on your body. Let me pray for your healing today. Father, thank you for my brothers and sisters. And today I speak the healing power of God over my brothers and sisters. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, be healed today. Be released today in Jesus' name. Depression, go in the name of Jesus. Suicidal thoughts, cease in the name of Jesus and be gone. I speak healing into asthma, asthma go. Receive the breath of God into your lungs in Jesus' name. Healing into that heart condition in the name of Jesus. That person who had an accident has damaged your left uh, your left hip and your lower spine be healed in the name of Jesus Christ. The person who's been suffering with kidney stones, it's your left kidney. Be healed in Jesus' name. And I command the stones to dissolve in the name of Jesus, the Son of God. The gentleman who's been diagnosed quite recently with prostate cancer, your PSI levels, whatever it's called, is, is far too high. In the name of Jesus, we command that to be healed in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name that cartilage condition, be healed in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Jesus, we worship you. We worship you. Can I just say, there's a, a lady here wearing a lovely yellow jacket with red hair is it is that okay that's right what's your name dear Jenny Jenny look Um, you have to weigh this word but I just you just kept coming into my heart and I, I just felt the Lord wanting to say something to you you know there's a verse in the Old Testament that says this I will restore the years that the locust has eaten You know, I just have a sense the Lord wanting to encourage you. I I kind of saw like a swirling mass of, of, of the enemy's accusations just trying to come over your life, saying that, you know, it's no good. You've gone too far. You've done this, that, and the other in life, and you've lost this and things about kids and stuff like that that you just felt. It just through guilt and stuff like that, that He was trying to convince you that life wasn't worth living and that actually God would never do something great with your life and that actually that's your future, that there was nothing much that you could hope for or live for with joy and with purpose because of all of this stuff that had gone on in the past. But I just saw that, number one, the Lord wants to say He loves you. He calls you His own. He has wiped away the past. But not only has He wiped away and forgiven the past, but He is, he is restoring the years that the locust has eaten. There's even going to be restoration in terms of relationships and things that you felt that had just been totally gone and could never be restored or reconciled. Uh, but I just saw actually that the Lord is going to bring renewal and restoration and, and all of that into your life, and you're going to be amazed what the Father is going to do in your life as you put your life fully in His hand, put your hand in His hands, and let Him really do with you what He wants to do. You know, He's He's calling you, daughter. He's calling you to himself. There's a beautiful word in the scriptures where says, I have drawn you with cords of everlasting kindness. And the Lord is drawing you with great kindness to himself. And he's going to do a full work of restoration in your life and make you like an Esther who's come to the kingdom for such a time like this. I hope all of this makes some sense to you. There's all of this Just give me a wave if that means something to you. All right, love. Let me just know this. The Lord's got you. He's got you and he's got your situation in his hands. The important thing is keep saying yes. Yes to Jesus. Yes to his will and believing his promises. Amen. All right. The Lord bless you richly now. Amen. Guys, it's been a huge privilege to share with you today. Thank you so much. I'm going to hand back to, looks like I'm handing back to Pastor Donna. Let me just do that. Shall we thank Jesus together and give him praise? Lord bless you richly.